All right, we're going to dive right in tonight. So I hope you're ready to do that. We are in a series that we started last week called I'm Not a Christian Because. And so what we're trying to do as part of this series is just, just talk about some of those barriers that, uh, that non-believers have to come into faith in Jesus. Uh, those people out in the world that look at Christianity and go, yeah, you know what, that sounds cool and whatever, but man, I've got this issue with Christianity, or I don't really understand this, or this is a, a barrier or an issue that I can't seem to get past in order for me to take that step and become a follower of Jesus myself. And so last week, in the, um, the first week, we talked about probably the biggest one that, um, that everybody has, the, the issue, and that's Christians themselves, that we can be hypocrites, that we can say one thing and yet do another, and to a watching world, a lot of times, we don't always back up what we say we believe. And we're real good maybe in here of saying that we love Jesus, and yet it becomes a whole lot harder when we go out into the world and we, we forget that people are always watching us. And so hopefully it was a challenge for us as Christians to look a little bit at our own heart and go, man, am I hypocritical in the way that I live my life? Or do I accurately reflect who Jesus is to other people that are watching me? So that was last week. Now this week... And tonight, we're going to talk about probably um, what might be just as, as big of an obstacle or as major of an obstacle or an issue that people have. And so as we get into this, I want to, I want to start by asking you guys this question, all right? Now, this is a rhetorical question. You don't, I don't want you to answer back at me, but I want you to honestly think about what your answer, not what it should be, but what your answer to this question would be, all right? Here's the question I want you guys to think about. Do you believe that God is good? Now, again, just think about that in, in your own mind, in your own heart. Honestly, what would the answer to that question be? Do you think that God is good? Is God good? This, uh, this week, I was looking at, at some articles. I pulled up one of the major news websites or whatever, and, and so I was just kind of scrolling through to see what are, what are some of the current events? What are some of the things that are going on in our country, in our world? And, um, and here are some of the things that are going on, all right? And, and these are just this week. So there's one headline that said, Twin Tylers and Grandparents Are Killed in a Maryland House Fire. All right, that's not exactly uplifting. That's a pretty tragic situation. Here's another one, all right? And I'm not making this up, I promise you. Three-year-old girl in Phoenix starved to death kept in a closet and offered for sex. And I didn't, even, I didn't even read the article because the headline itself was disturbing enough. Here's another one. And again, I promise that this, was, this is legit. Murder charges are filed for a couple who allegedly killed their seven-year-old son and fed him to pigs. So apparently this happened back in November and just this week they decided to press charges on this mom and dad who killed their own son and then apparently, allegedly, fed him to pigs. You guys have heard on the news there were 30 people that were killed over in Burkina Faso uh, when terrorists opened fire in a hotel and a cafe. And one of those people that, that were killed was a guy named Mike Rittering, who has some close ties to, um, to Westridge and uh, owned an orphanage, was a missionary there, and uh, was tragically one of the ones that was killed, one of those 30 people that were killed. So then you've got things like terrorist attacks that happened you know, a month or two ago out in San Bernardino. You've got uh, an earthquake that happened just this past week in, uh, in Japan. 
And so you see things like that, and the world is in turmoil. And then you pull up you know, stats, or you read stats like what the UN has, has made available that says there are 783 million people in the world who don't have access to clean water. And there are 795 million people in the, million people in the world who don't have enough food to live a healthy life. So those stats, 783 million, 795 million people in the world are about one out of nine people in the world don't have access to clean water and don't have enough food. So you hear things like that. You see stories or you hear stories or you watch stories on the news or whatever, and it strikes a chord with people. And that can be a major barrier. A reason why people say that they are not Christians is because of suffering in the world. And it even leads them to make statements like what you guys earlier tonight talked about in your small groups, of it's hard to look at the world today and believe that God is good. You and I, we we hear stories, we see things that are going on, and we ask, how could a good God allow suffering? And when we can't believe that God is good, then we start to doubt that he exists at all. What use is a God who's not good? What benefit does it, does, does it do anybody if there's a God who's not actually compassionate or loving towards the people that he created? And so the idea of suffering in the world is a major stumbling block, an issue for people, as it should be. And it causes them to question whether or not Christianity is legit and even gets them just to doubt God's existence at all. Now, let's be honest. This isn't something that just non-believers struggle with. Right? This, is, this is a question that we ask ourselves often, or maybe from time to time, or maybe there's been moments in our life where we've, we've had that same question. This is a, a, a stumbling block for Christians as well. And we try to wrap our, our minds around situations, and we go, man, how can you make sense of a couple years ago, our worship pastor, Andrew Prey, getting hit and killed by a bus while he was cycling down the road. How can you make sense of that? For Angie, my wife and I, we've, we've tried to wrestle with and try to make sense of how, you know, a couple years ago, her, her brother was tragically killed in an accident. And we're trying to make sense of that. Like, this, this doesn't make sense. There's so much of this that we don't understand. And we've hosted way too many student funerals over the past six to eight months in this room who have tragically been killed. And we are sitting in this room and we're, you know, we're hurt because we were, we were close to those people and we go, this doesn't make sense. And there, there are leaders in this room or, or some of you as students in the room who have lost family members or friends and you have wondered, God, why would you allow this to happen? Why do you let us suffer? This is even something that people in the Bible wrestled with and questions that they had and situations that they dealt with as well. Moses, as he's the guy that's been hand-selected by God to bring Israel out of Egypt, and he's asking God, God, why did you bring all this trouble on the Israelites? He's looking at the slavery. He's looking at their harsh situation. He's going, God, why would you allow your people to suffer like this? David, a man who's known as a man after God's own heart, 
often felt abandoned and had very tough questions that he asked of God in the Psalms. There's a guy named Joseph in the Bible who's one of my favorite characters in the Bible who was imprisoned many times. He was falsely accused of rape. He sold into slavery. I mean, here's a guy who tried to walk with God, who tried to obey God, and yet for a large part of his life, it just felt like all he did was suffer. And then all of the disciples, with the exception of one, all were killed because of their faith. So again, we, we wrestle with these things. It doesn't make sense to us. And really, none of us are immune from this. And we look, and what ends up happening, because we don't understand it, we don't really understand why suffering happens. And so we can sort of have this view of God as the, that giant kid that's just got the magnifying glass. right? And he's just up there torturing us. Just standing there either watching us suffer or he's causing our suffering. And we can never, we, we fail to really find and understand a good reason why suffering exists. But let me, let me challenge you with, with this question or this statement. Just because we can't understand a good reason why suffering exists doesn't mean that there isn't one. Even though in a lot of cases and situations, we fail to really get our mind around, God, why would you let this happen? Doesn't mean that there's not a legitimate reason or purpose behind it. And it is really a a little bit or a lot arrogant of us to think that if you and I can't understand something, then it must not be real or trustworthy. Now, over the next couple minutes, I want to I kind of make three statements that hopefully will kind of push us in the direction that, that I, I think God wants us to be. When we're, we're struggling with this whole issue of suffering in the world and, and can we tr- really trust Christianity? Can we really trust God? And so there's three statements I want to make. Here's the first one, is that God knows suffering. God knows suffering. Now, understand about God. God is not aloof. God is not disconnected. God is not uninvolved. God is not unaware of our suffering. All right, he's not out there kind of disengaged with what's going on. And we're like, God, do you see what I'm experiencing? Do you see what I'm dealing with? And God's like, oh, no, I didn't really notice that. Or, or yeah, you, now that you mention it, yeah, I see what's going on. But rather, God, God knows full well the suffering that you and I experience. And not only does he know the the suffering that you and I experience, God knows suffering himself. God knows very well how cruel this world can be. And it's the very reason and the very purpose why he sent his son into this world. Because God looked at the state of the world. God looked at the sin and the pain and the heartache and the suffering that exists And God was not okay with just allowing that to continue to take place. God was not okay with just allowing you and I to continue to wall around in our sin and try to figure our way through our suffering and through our pain. And that's the reason why God stepped in and did something about it. And what God wanted to do was God wanted to rescue us from our sin and our suffering. God did not want our suffering to be permanent. And the only way for God to to 
make sure that our suffering was not permanent was for him to suffer himself. And so what Jesus did was Jesus left heaven. Jesus, who we believe is God, left heaven and gave up his perfect relationship with God the Father, that it existed from eternity. And Jesus gave up that standing in that place as God, and he came and he entered into our world, still God, but he also became man. And God stepped down into our world and into our mess and into our suffering. And to understand the extent of what God did, what Jesus did, Jesus stepped into our world and he became sin. Now think about what that means for just a minute. God who is holy, who is perfect, who knows no sin, who in fact looks at sin and can't stand sin. And you and I think that we hate sin and we hate suffering and we hate all this pain in the world. And yet understand that it is infinitely more that God looks at sin and pain and suffering and he hates that. More than you and I ever could. And yet God looked at that and he hated it so much that he he knew that something had to be done about it. And the only thing that could be done about it was for him to become that. For him to take on our pain and our suffering and our sin so that God could punish and condemn him. So that he could endure our suffering and our punishment that, quite frankly, you and I deserved. And yet Jesus took that on himself and he became that and accepted the wrath and the punishment of God for that sin and that suffering so that you and I would not have to experience that. So that long-term, you and I would not have to experience suffering. So understand, Jesus knows suffering. Jesus is not disconnected. He sees what we go through, and he says, you know what, I understand it, and I understand it to a level that most people don't. I actually became that sin. I took on that punishment, and I suffered and died so that you could be forgiven. So if we're looking for an answer of why God would allow suffering, it can't be because he doesn't love us. In fact, Jesus loves you and cares enough about you and your suffering that he suffered for you. Now, not only does God know suffering, but also the second thing is that God uses suffering. God uses suffering. So if God allows suffering to take place, and if God really did go to that extent to not allow suffering to have a long-term impact, then there's got to be something that God is up to. There's got to be some reason why God is allowing this suffering to go on in the world. Now, even though suffering was not part of creation in the beginning, once sin entered into the world, what God did is that God chose to use suffering to bring about his sovereign plan. It wasn't part of God's original design when he created the world. It was, it was perfect, and it was without sin. And yet sin entered into the picture, 
And so God said, you know what? I'm going to use this suffering, and I'm going to, I'm going to carry out my sovereign plan. I'm going to carry out my will for people. There's a really profound couple of verses that are in James chapter 1 that give us a little bit of insight into how God uses suffering. And here's what it says. James chapter 1, starting in verse 2, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, now he's talking about those of us who are followers of Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. All right, now stop for just a minute. So there's a little bit of this that doesn't quite make sense. So James here is saying that, look, hey, guys, listen, when, when you suffer, when you experience trouble of any, any kind, and don't, you know, don't wallow in it, don't be sad, don't be you know, full of gloom or whatever, don't be like, oh, woe is me or whatever, but rather, here's what you should do. Look at this as an opportunity, not just for joy, but for great joy. Like, how screwed up does this seem right now? Where like James was on something or out of touch with reality or something where he's telling us, hey, look, regardless of what trouble you go through, look at it, have that perspective and embrace that and accept that with great joy. He says, because you know when your faith is tested, when you experience those things, and your faith is tested, your endurance grows, and when you are ready to endure, when your endurance is where it needs to be, then you are complete. You are perfect, needing nothing. In other words, what James here is saying is that God uses suffering to make our faith and our knowledge and our understanding of him stronger. And what that actually does is that makes us complete as, as believers, as followers of his. James is saying here that God uses suffering to make you and I like him. Here's what Tim Keller says. He says, Christ did not suffer so you wouldn't suffer. He suffered so that when you suffer you will become like him. Now, I, I look at situations that have happened to people that I know and love, and I've watched situations like, again, you go back to Andrew Prey's situation, and I have, have seen for his wife, Courtney, and those kids of watching their faith and their understanding and their knowledge and experience of who God is has grown in tremendous ways. I've watched my wife's faith in Jesus grow like it never has before as she's had to endure and have those questions and, and suffer without her brother over the last couple of years. You know, it's one of those things they say, you know, suffering can make you bitter or it can make you better. And and that is true for those of us that really learn, you know what, God, I, I don't understand this. I don't know what you're doing, but God, I'm, I'm going to press into you. God, I, I don't really know where else I'm supposed to turn or what else I'm supposed to do. So God, I'm, I'm pressing into you. 
And as they've depended on God and trusted God, God has strengthened and renewed their faith and grown them up in him and made them more like him than they ever had been before those times. Now, look, we're not stupid. Like, none of us would choose those moments. And yet the reality is you and I don't have any choice in the matter. God allows us to go through difficult circumstances, to go through those situations, not because he doesn't love us. Really, the opposite of that is true. God loves us so much that he wants to make us like him. And he knows that the only way that that can happen in its fullness is to allow us to experience suffering. So not only does God know suffering and God uses suffering, here's the last thing. God will end suffering. God will end suffering. Man, here's the best news about suffering is that it will end is that suffering is not permanent. That one day, that is part of God's plan, God will completely eliminate sin. He will completely eliminate pain once and for all. And those of us who know Jesus, one day will spend an eternity with him without any pain or suffering or sadness, any of that kind of stuff. That will no longer be a part of our life and our experiences. And the reason why it will end is because we will be like him. At the end, we will be perfect. We will be like him. And not just us, but all of creation. Here's what Romans 8, verse 18 through 21 says. It says, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against his will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. I mean, you and I can hold on to that hope as followers of Jesus to know that one day, in the end, God will completely eliminate sin and suffering from this earth that not only will it no longer be a part of our lives, but God will renew and restore creation back to its original design. That there will no, be no more earthquakes. There will be no more tsunamis or you know, crazy things like this. There will be no more disease. There will be no more terrorist attacks or sexual crimes or murder or those things that we turn on the news every single day and we shake our heads and we go, this is messed up. And one day, all of those things God will put an end to permanently. See, Christianity is not to be rejected because of suffering. But rather, Christianity is the place that true hope is found in the midst of suffering. We don't look at suffering as, as a reason to dismiss Christianity, but rather we find true hope in the midst of suffering, in who Jesus is and the hope that he's come to offer us in this life and especially in the one to come.
So the question I asked you at, at the beginning, I'll ask again. Do you believe that God is good? Whether you flip on the news or you, know, you pull up your iPhone and you're looking at you know, the, the different social media platforms or you're hearing some of the craziness that's going on or you just know about the own situations and, and the, the, the experiences that you've got in your own life. No matter what it is that you're experiencing or seeing or hearing about, do you believe that God is good? See, our answer to that question, it, it matters because it impacts everything else. And if we, if we don't believe that God is good, then he's not worthy of our trust. He's not strong enough to do anything about our situation. And really, it's up to us to kind of figure our way out and what we're going to do. But if we go back and we say, you know what, God, regardless of what I'm experiencing, I still believe with every part of who I am, even though I don't understand what it is that's happening before me. The answer to that question is, God, I still believe that you are good. God, when I, when I look and see what's going on in the world, when I hear that latest news about that latest tragedy or another terrorist attack or whatever this, the crazy situations that are going on in the world, God, my heart breaks and I'm broken for those people that are experiencing that. But God, I know that you're good. God, I believe that you're good. God, I'm trusting in you. I know that you have a plan and a purpose. And God, I'm, I'm trusting and I'm holding on to that hope and that security that you offer me to know that you, even though I don't understand it, I can trust that you are using this in some way to bring about good, to bring about your will. And one day, man, every day we're one day closer to that day when we don't have to worry about sin and pain and suffering and flipping on the news and hearing about the late, latest, latest craziness or whatever's going on. God, one day we can experience the fullness of who you are and, the, and your glory free from any sin and any pain. And knowing that we are perfect, we are made complete, and we are in your presence experiencing the creation and life as you originally intended it. Let's pray together. God, I pray that you would help all of us. God, whether we are a follower of you or whether we've walked in the room doubting or questioning or having these barriers and these things that get in the way of our coming to faith in you as Savior. God, I pray that you would help us to understand that you are a good God. God, there is so much of this world that we can't make sense of. There are so many tragic situations that we hear about every single day. And the temptation would be, God, for us to throw in the towel, for us to give up hope, for us to go, God, I've held on as long as I can. God, certainly if you were a good God, you would have done something else about that. God, I pray that you would help us to understand that you are a God who knows suffering, that you loved us enough in the state of this world that you suffered yourself, 
so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have a way back to God, and ultimately so that we would not have to experience suffering any longer. God, I pray if there are students in the room tonight who have never put their faith and trust in you as Savior, God, I pray that tonight would be the night that they do that. God, I pray for those of us who are followers of you, and yet, God, it's hard to get our mind around this situation. God, would you reinforce, would you help us not to lose heart, to know that you are a good God? And whatever it is, situation that we're facing tonight, God, I pray that you would help us to allow you to use those situations to make us more like you so that we may be perfect and complete, not lacking anything. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.